Welcome to another Performance Matters podcast series. Bob Mosier here. We are so honored that you've joined us yet again on another one of our recordings. We sure hope these are helpful. In this particular episode, we have an exciting conversation once again with the miraculous and wonderful Dr. Conrad Gopperson, the founder of the Five Moments of Need Methodology. And he talks to us about this really hot topic nowadays around skills. Boy, if that word isn't popular in most organizations now, I don't know what is, besides AI maybe. But in this conversation, we talk a lot about the reality is of what does that mean? What is a skill? What is a skill set? What does it mean around competencies and application? It is really a deep dive into how to make the discussion around skills more applicable and one that we can go at from a five moments of need perspective. We hope you enjoy. Looking forward to your feedback and welcome friends. Great to have you here. Okay, welcome back to another Performance Matters podcast series. Bob Mosher here, and I am joined once again by my dear friend and the globally recognized founder of the Five Moments of Need, Dr. Con Gopherson. How are you, Con? Great, Bob. Good to have you back, friend. Thanks. Always wonderful to get into our banter about these things. Yeah. And friend, we're going to revisit something I jumped on a while back, and we're going to go deeper because we're still hearing it. It's is front and center as ever, maybe not as much with AI, which we'll talk about another time. But this whole thing with skills, skills, I just got back from a large conference. And again, outside of AI being in most every booth, skills, gaps, skills, curriculum, you know, upskill, downskill, all that stuff. It was everywhere. So we really want to take this deeper, contextualize it with five moments, make it actionable. I shared on my last one, Con, I'm terrified. You know, this has got to been there, done that with me before with our whole journey to competencies, which to me, depending on how we define this, is another potentially erroneous journey at that thing again. Or, you know, organizations, so they are facing because of the world we live in. The need to things like upskill, reskill, cross skill, you know, close skills gaps. I mean, these are words that I think you and I both understand, sure. but. But how do we put it in place in a realistic strategy of doing this and frankly, not go the journey of competency modeling and and some of our past mistakes? Yeah, this is so important. Uh, we We talk about skills all the time. And yet, as I listen to people talk about skills, I wonder, you know, have we really defined what we mean by a skill? Many years ago, when I was focusing on and trying to understand the moment of apply, I asked a very important question. At least it seemed important, and I believe it is important to this day, which is what is the fundamental unit of of performance, of job performance? And it needed to be identifiable, actionable, and measurable, that Mm -hmm. unit of performance. So when we talk about skills, you know, the Cambridge Dictionary defines a skill as a special ability to do something. Well, what in heaven's name is that? That, That's not identifiable or actionable or measurable. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have to get to a point where we can see it and know what it is and train to it. Webster defines a skill, one of the first definitions is the ability to use one's knowledge effectively and readily in execution of performance. Well, okay, knowledge, though, is one part of it. But then 
Webster talks about being able to execute a task. Yeah, that's part of it too, and do it competently. So what what I learned many years ago, Bob, was that the fundamental unit of performance is a job task. And when you combine with that job task, the knowledge, this the conceptual understanding that you need to have and a level of experience, then you have what you need to have a skill. That's a skill. A skill is the ability to perform a job task, whether it's principle-based or procedural-based, but to perform a job task with the level of understanding and experience I need to be able to make judgments, make decisions, and adapt and adjust in the flow of work. So I have to have that knowledge, but knowledge alone won't do it. It's a task with that knowledge and the enough experience for me to adapt, adjust, and you know make decisions that I need to make in the performance of work. So, Con, let me let me take you back a minute, if you don't mind, to something you said earlier, because I think this is really important. Because I am a definition guy; it drives me crazy in our industry how we're supposed to be in the learning business, but we don't educate those we serve in what it is that we make so they can have the right expectation and ask the right questions. So you said something I think is very important that people don't get a principle based task and a procedural based task. Yeah. Help us understand or principle based skill. Yeah. Right. We're using them or a procedural based skill. Yeah. Help us understand the difference. Well, procedurals are easy, right? Right. Because they're algorithmic. You do this and then you do this and then you do this and you're done. Yep, you've got that. But principle-based are where there are principles that you follow, rules that you might apply. They're more heuristic in nature. That is, they don't guarantee the out- outcome, but they can guide us in that. And mm. sometimes you have procedural and principle-based things working together, right? Yep. But what is important to know is that there isn't any job that anyone does that can't be identified actionably as a a set of job tasks. Yes. Principle-based or procedural-based or a combination of both. There never in all of these years have we ever (laughs) faced a situation where we couldn't identify the specific job tasks that somebody needs to perform, whether they're a leader and they're leading a group of people, or if they are on the the shop floor performing work on a piece of equipment. Yeah. Leaders are not judged by what they know or understand. They are judged by the observable performance of leading. And it might be principle-based to do that, but there are steps taken. There is is performance done, right? Perfect. Okay. So the skill thing, Let's roll it up into workflow learning because a skill is not, if I perform a skill like printing or whatever, I'm not an accountant. So the single unit of measure or performance, I should say, sorry, is the skill. Expand that for me in the context of what we always talk about, about the importance of starting with and understanding the workflow. Yeah, well, a very important part of the definition that I just shared is it's the ability to perform a job task. Not just a task, but a job task. That is that the skills have to be aligned to the work that I do, right? And so when we move forward at the very beginning of any project, 
we want to map the workflow. Well, we map the workflow by identifying the tasks and then grouping those tasks into logical groupings that becomes a process, a workflow process, but it's also a skill set, if you will. Yep. That workflow process becomes the module, the skill set module that you focus on with the tasks involved, the job tasks involved in that. And so a skill set is a set of job tasks that you perform to accomplish a specific part of your work. So kind of here's a place that I think we're also being a, a quicksand. It's one of your favorite things to use, right? Yeah. So along with these outlines I've seen and these attempt at skill mappings and all that kind of stuff, there's this idea of a period at the end of the sentence. We're going to upskill people to a point, to a time. And then, and then they, and by the way, this is analogous to training people up to a point. Yeah. And now they are masters of the skill. They are, so let's take it even further to the journey of performance. Yeah. You know, that we, we often talk about. How does this relate to that? Well, we've always talked about the full journey, which is the journey of getting trained in the skills, whether it's upskilling or cross-skilling or whatever the the nature of the skilling. It's one thing to get trained, but then you've got to transfer that to your job. Mm -hmm. Right. And then you've got to build over time the experience that you need to truly develop expertise. Right. To grow in your your level of competence. So train, transfer, sustain that process, that full journey of skill development has to be addressed in the solutions that we built. And so, yeah, we we need a plan for upskilling, reskilling, cross-skilling whatever that is. But if we drop the ball there, which is what most many organizations do, we haven't served the organization. We've got to make sure that that is transferred to the moment of apply and then the moments of change and solve and apply on an ongoing basis to where people can become more competent, where they develop expertise and greater expertise through the experience that they have in the flow of work. It's interesting, Con. I think part of the reason we're in the problem we're in today is because we've ignored sustainment. Yeah. The third part of our famous train transfer sustain. And so so here we sit in this reskilling world, right? In this upskilling yeah. world, because we have looked myopically at this problem as something that has a beginning and an ending. It's not been a sustainment, it's not been one that helps someone sustain a skill, um, right. remain current in the scale, it's been these programs we go to. So how do we operationalize this then? Because we're all about deliverables. We have, yeah. to, we have to make the theory of upskill, all this kind of stuff we talked about, doable. How do we explain that to those we serve, what's necessary and what do we build? Well, that's where we've always talked to and always talk about the importance and the need for digital coach capability, the, what Gloria Gary called an EPSS, uh, that tool, that set of capabilities that can guide people across that dicey world of transfer and sustain them in the work as they apply again and again and again in a world that is ever-changing. You know, the moment of apply in the real world of work is never the same. There are nuances and things that happen. And that's where the great learning applies. So 
you've got to have a system that will sustain people in that journey and also sustain them then as I have to unlearn and relearn again in that sustainment phase of that. We just have to have the full package, right? And have a solution that accommodates all five moments of need in that journey. Really, as we've talked about it, to upskill is learning new, right? Mm-hmm. To reskill is learning more. To cross skill is I've got to apply now in a world that is different than the world that I've been working in. I've got to move to a different area of work. And then closing skill gaps real time happens best in the flow of work. I've got to do something. I can't quite remember how to do something or it's changed. I want to close that skill gap real time in the flow of work. That's Closing skill gaps is not best accomplished by pulling people away from their work and having a class. You close a skill gap real time with the help of a digital coach in the flow of work. That's the fastest, quickest, most focused way of doing it. And again, we've both been in this industry long enough that part of what does aggravate me at times is it becomes more about the buzz con and the brand and what's old is new again than it does about falling back on what we've learned, adapting to the world we live in today. Because I agree, it, it does change. But as you just outlined, upskill, reskill, all these kinds of things, this new skill thing to me is more vocabulary than anything yeah, it new, is. right? Yep. It's micro learning. When micro learning came along and I dug deeper into it and smaller chunks and stuff. Well, I don't know. I was doing micro learning (laughs) back in 1992. Right. So so I think we have to be careful about. And and what's what's scarier is if those we serve say, oh, okay, this is a new thing. So what do you got for me or whatever? If we're not careful in the definition and such that you've outlined throughout this podcast, we can get ourselves in trouble. Yeah, it is not a difficult thing. We can address skills as long as we can define those skills in a tactical way, in a way that we can measure, that we can act upon it and identify it. Yep. Well, those last two things, Con, is what scares me. That's what has gotten us in trouble in the past. The competency modeling efforts, again, I keep coming back to that, but a lot of the failure, and I was involved in one, was that we did, we did not take it into transfer and sustain well enough. We didn't yeah. And so we filled competency gaps. We taught people competencies that we thought they didn't have or needed for whatever the job role was. But again, what's old is new here. Juxtapose, reskill, upskill, cross-skill here. And, yeah. and if we fall into the same path of stopping short of the finish line, which is application and the sustainability of that by our learners on their own, it's going to come back and bite us again. Yep. Yep. Right? So yep. so let's put a bow around this real quick, Con. What's most anxious to you about this in all the hype and what gives you great hope? What I'm always anxious when I hear people talking about skills and yet they're they're thinking of this ability, a, a special ability to do something, <laughs> you know, <laughs> holy moly, what is that? You can't do anything with that. So when the mindset goes to, yeah, I've got to be able to apply this a skill. It's got to be identifiable, actionable, and measurable. Mm. So my greatest concern is when we talk about it, and yet we haven't defined it in a way that's actionable. Yeah. My hope is that 
everywhere I turn, I hear people looking at performance, at job performance, thinking about it. And as long as that mindset's there, we will get there. Just have to, though, move beyond training, which is a means to an end to what is training all about, which is enabling effective performance on the job all the time, anywhere. And that, that effective performance is the ability to complete a job task, procedural or principle based, with the knowledge and understanding that I need to have to be able to adapt and make decisions. If we stop at identifiable, we're in trouble. I love your definition, Connie. Moving into actionable and measurable. Yeah. You know, that last world we've wanted to swim in for as long as I've been at it. Yeah. Yeah. But if we stop at identifiable, do we test in someone out or whatever is identifiable? But try floating that by a line of business and see if that's of value. Right. Yep. So kind of brilliant, as always, friend. Thanks so much for your thought leadership and for your clarity and keeping us aligned and always bringing us back to what's most important. So appreciate you for that. So thanks for being here again. My pleasure, Bob. Well, that's it for this episode of the five moments of need performance matter series. We look forward to future conversations around how to best put the five moments of need into practice. We welcome your feedback and can be reached on Twitter using my Twitter handle at B-M-O-S-H, as well as our Five Moments of Need website, which is www.thenumber5momentsofneed.com. We hope you're finding these helpful and will subscribe to future episodes. Have a great day, friends.